Talk to us now and go to the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. This is the Misty Winston Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Well, hey there, and welcome to the Misty Winston Show right here on today's News Talk. Thank you, as always, for tuning in to hang out with me today. Appreciate you. Um, okay, lots going on today. A uh, couple quick things. First of all, uh, great show lined up. My pal Jessica Fenske is going to be joining us today. Uh, you probably or may know her as Forest Mommy over on Twitter. She's hilarious. Uh, she actually just ran for city council um, in Colorado and was unfortunately unsuccessful, but she did learn a lot. So we're going to talk a little bit about that and whatever else comes up. It's always fun when Jess is here. Um, uh, so a couple quick things, though. So this one is important. So put your big listening ears on because this one's important. So um, uh, there is a new... ridiculous, ridiculous so-called reform to the NDAA uh, that is currently in the Senate right now. It is bad news. It is very bad news. So I need everybody, um, it's currently in the Senate, so I need everybody to call their senators, your two senators, today, tomorrow, um, repeatedly, and tell them to not put Section 702 in the NDAA. Um, This is a terrible thing. It is, um, basically, it's supposed to be a four-month extension of uh, the FISA Section 702, which is basically a surveillance. uh, It's a bunch of surveillance crap. Um, So it's supposed to be just a four-month extension, but really it will turn into a 16-month extension, which then puts us into 2025, an entirely different political landscape, most likely. And frankly, it doesn't matter. Under no circumstances, under no political landscape, is this kind of stuff okay? Um, So numerous people have been tweeting about it. Um, I want to point you to um, uh, one Twitter account, Rachel B. Levinson. It's L-E-V-I-N-S-O-N. She has a thread up. Um, that she tweeted out today uh, about five hours ago if you want to scroll down her Twitter feed. But she has a couple different articles um, that are really good explainers about the whole situation um, uh, and what 702 is and all of that stuff. So uh, go and check her out. Her out. Um, obviously, also, uh, Glenn Greenwald has been doing fantastic work on this. He did a show on this recently um, that he also tweeted out uh, today, uh, maybe around noonish. Um, so he actually did a show where he talked to Senator Mike Lee. He explained uh, how all of that works. So if you're more of a uh, show watcher rather than an article reader, you can check out Glenn Greenwald's episode on that. Um, But basically, it's uh, to extend FISA 702, the reauthorization period, by uh, nine years. um, And it fixes none of the unconstitutional warrantless searches found in the current system. And worst of all, vastly expands the scope of 702's warrantless domestic surveillance capability, creating a massive new category of businesses, entities who can be compelled to hand over private user data. So they're coming for your data again. Um, no surprise there, but this is, it's, it's a very big deal and it is not being talked about really uh, by uh, very many people. Um, uh, also, I would also point you to Naomi Brockwell. She has been on this sto- uh, on this show. Um, uh, she is kind of a privacy expert. She does a fantastic show, uh, Naomi Brockwell TV, NBTV. Um, she talks about a lot of privacy issues, uh, how to protect yourself online, protect your data, all of that stuff. Highly recommend her in general. Her work is fantastic. Um, I would love to get her back on the show. I need to uh, reach out to her. But um, so uh, she's been tweeting about it as well. She's also done a show on this. Thomas Massey has tweeted about it. 
Obviously, Thomas Massey has been relatively consistent on this issue. So kudos to him for that. Edward Snowden has been tweeting about it. Um, uh, and so uh, also, in addition to telling your senators, as Snowden points out, in addition to telling your senators to not include uh, FISA 702 uh, in the NDAA, also tell them that you would like them to support the Protect Liberty Bill. Uh, that is the competing actual real reform bill that is out there. Um, so do both of those two things. Tell your senators to not uh, support the uh, fake reform bill, the FISA 702, and tell them to support the Protect Liberty Bill uh, in addition to that. So, um, uh, and as I said, call your senators. It is now currently in the Senate. Um, you can do that uh, by calling 202-224-3121. That is the switchboard. So if you just call, the switchboard operator will um, answer. You can just tell them uh, where you live and they will put you through to the proper senators. Um, uh, you can also obviously go to your, uh, your senator's website or whatever and probably find direct communication, direct line that way. Um, tweet at them, send them emails, call them. I mean, I, I shouldn't say harass them, but harass them. <laughs> I mean, be uh, be uh, uh, very forceful on this issue. This is bad news, obviously. And again, it's not being talked about near as, uh, enough as it should be. Um, so this is a big one. So just take a couple phone calls only take a couple minutes. It seriously is no issue. Almost certainly. I make a lot of phone calls, y'all. I make a lot of phone calls, political phone calls for Julian Assange and now also for Palestine. Uh, so and almost always very few times, um, I would say maybe like one or two times out of 10 phone calls, I get an actual human being. And that's probably even a high estimation. So so almost certainly you're going to get an answering service of some kind um, where you just leave a message, be brief, be forceful. Uh, my name is, I am your constituent from, I would like you to um, uh, uh, vote no against including uh, FISA 702, and I would like you to support the Protect Liberty Bill instead of that. So um doesn't have to be that long, only takes a couple minutes, it's only two phone calls. Um, uh, so please do that and spread the word, because that's this is bad news. Um, okay, don't forget, you can follow me over on the tweeters at Sarcasm Stardust. Check out the Substack, mistywinston.substack.com. There is a write-up for the guests of the day every day, so you can find, follow, and support their work as well. Um, and if you would like, you can shoot me an email, mistywinston at tntradio.live, show idea, guest idea, whatever, you know, I don't care. Uh, just hit me up and I will try to get back to you. And also, if you have a uh, suggestion for a possible guest that you would like to hear in general on TNT Radio, or if you have um, a topic that you feel we should be discussing, we definitely want to hear from you. Uh, there is a suggestion form on the TNT Radio website, which again is tntradio.live. Uh, just fill that out, complete that, and you can help us make a difference right here on TNT Radio. Bringing you a worldview. I like to hear what's going on around the world. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Surprise, surprise. The White House has acknowledged reports that Israeli forces may have used U.S.-supplied white phosphorus against Lebanon in at least one cross-border skirmish in October and indicated that the U.S. would look into the incident. They're going to investigate themselves, y'all. Uh, here with this story, joining me now is TNT Radio News producer Adam Clark, a.k.a. Ruckus. So surely they're going to do a legitimate investigation, right, Adam? This is not just bluster? Well, I mean... Anyways, we'll have to wait and see on that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, this is all thanks to a Washington Post investigation. Uh, they cited uh, their own analysis on shell fragments that they recovered from the scene of an incident that took place in a small village in southern Lebanon just recently, about a, a little over a week after the Hamas thing. Um, excuse me. 
So this is a town called Deira. It's D-H-E-I-R-A, sometimes spelled with D-H-A-Y-R-A, but I'm pretty sure it's Deira. So what happened, according to this Washington Post investigation, is that Israeli forces shelled uh, Deira for hours into the evening during a cross-border skirmish on October 16th. They trapped residents in their homes until the fighting relented around 7 a.m. the following morning. At least nine people were reportedly injured in the October 16th artillery strikes, including three who were hospitalized. And it looks as though they may have used white phosphorus. And that's not good. That stuff is extremely dangerous and deadly. Um, A journalist working for the Washington Post subsequently entered Dara and photographed shell fragments from the strikes. The publication found lot production numbers on the shell fragments and reportedly matched those numbers to various United States munitions batches. That's right. They were supplied and were made by the United States. The Washington Post also questioned the continued use of white phosphorus munitions at night, noting that the smoke produced by such munitions would have had limited utility by that point, and there were no Israeli forces close to the border for which to obscure with smoke. Some residents reportedly told the newspaper they believed the Israelis used the white phosphorus munitions to drive them out of the town and make it easier for Israel to continue military operations in the area. The human rights organization Amnesty International has been calling for the um, October 16th artillery strikes in and around Dara to be investigated as a possible war crime since late October. The organization raised concerns about at least three additional incidents involving Israeli forces using white phosphorus munitions in strikes across southern Lebanon between October 10th and October 16th. Uh, Now, White House National Security Council coordinator John Kirby acknowledged the concerns raised in the Washington Post investigation during a press gaggle aboard Air Force One just yesterday, December 11th. Mr. Kirby said, quote, we've seen the reports, certainly concerned about that. We'll be asking questions to try to learn a little bit more, end quote. Mm -hmm. He cautioned that there may have been a legitimate cause for the use of white phosphorus munitions during these cross-border strikes in October. He said, quote, I do think it's important to remind that white phosphorus does have a legitimate military utility in terms of illumination and producing smoke to conceal movements. Uh, Furthermore, quote, and obviously, any time that we provide items like white phosphorus to another military, it is with the full expectation that it will be used in keeping with those legitimate purposes and in keeping with the law of armed conflict, end quote. Uh, yeah, for its part, the Israeli military has denied misusing its white phosphorus munitions, saying that such rounds are only used for elimination and smoke screens and not for targeting or setting fires. But Misty, I think uh, you and I and a lot of folks out there don't believe that. What do you think? Uh, no, of course I don't believe that. Uh, I think that we have seen time and time again that Israel uses this kind of stuff. Uh, and of course they're going to investigate themselves and everything will be fine and it's going to be all within uh, the letter of the law and uh, they'll hope that this goes away. But there's no doubt in my mind that the United States is providing white phosphorus and potentially worse. Uh, we know that they we provided cluster munitions to Ukraine, so it would not surprise me at all to learn that we are also providing those to Israel. Um, but there's, there's, there's no question, in my opinion, um, that they are using 
using white phosphorus uh, that has been provided by the United States. And in fact, my friend uh, Sarah Abdallah on Twitter um, has said that Israel has used white phosphorus on southern Lebanon over 60 times since October 7th. That also would not surprise me. I also think it's interesting that uh, Israel is currently bombing and attacking three different countries, um, uh, uh, Syria, South Lebanon, and Palestine, and uh, are still able to portray themselves as a victim. That is fascinating. But there's, to me, there's absolutely no question that this is taking place. There's absolutely, and it's so funny to me that that John Kirby is seriously concerned and he's going to look into it. I mean, that really just makes me feel so much better. They're not concerned. Otherwise, they wouldn't be providing it to an out-of-control genocidal state. Um, uh, and again, this is the same country that provided cluster munitions to Ukraine. This is this is what we do. This is exactly what we do. That We have absolutely no care whatsoever uh, for the innocent civilians in Gaza uh, and in the West Bank. Uh, I think that we're making a grave mistake and not talking about the West Bank more. Uh, and just uh, to, a quick point on that, uh, Jeremy Lafredo, who's a great journalist, he often does a lot of work with the Gray Zone. Um, he has been recently on the ground in the West Bank. So if you would like to go and check out his work, um, it is phenomenal. Uh, but yeah, I mean, to me, I think that there's no question that they, they're using uh, white phosphorus. And I think that it's, I mean, it's not surprising, but they're going to get away with it. They're going to continue to get away with it. Again, as we've mentioned numerous times on this show, they are uh, committing a genocide in broad daylight on the world stage. Everybody's watching uh, and they're getting away with it. So there's no doubt in my mind that this is going to be another thing that they brush under the rug and that there will be no consequences or accountability for it. Um, and that's very frustrating, but that's just reality. But what do you think about this, Adam? Well, let me be clear so that the listener or viewer is not confused here. I don't think that the concerns that Mr. Kirby is talking about has anything to do with the potential war crime or the no. devastation and the horrible things that this can cause to innocent civilians. No, rather, as he explicitly stated, here's what his concerns are, Misty. You ready for this one? Mr. Kirby said, quote, we absolutely don't want to see this conflict spill over into Lebanon. We don't want to see a second front. We don't want to see it escalate and widen. And so it is also in the context of that that we're we're concerned about these reports. Quote. Oh, so the concern is that you don't want to be spread too thin on a conflict that you're totally um, privy to here, uh, in my opinion. Uh, but it's yeah, already so spilled over into Lebanon. Misplaced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's all, they've been bombing Lebanon. It's too late, my guy. It is too late. It's already spilled over into Lebanon. It has, that's that's been happening. They've been bombing the south of Lebanon for a while now. So, uh, yeah, th that fake concern, that phony concern. I mean, that's just uh, pandering. Uh, uh, in but hey, um, just really quickly, I don't know if you follow Elon Musk over on Twitter, um, but I think he's listening to our show over here, Adam, because he, after our show yesterday when we had all the M's, um, Elon Musk tweeted out today. Always admired a alliteration advocates. <laughs> so I think Elon Musk right is on. listening to our show. Yeah. Uh, but yes, I mean, listen, uh, the again, John Kirby is not concerned. I don't even think he's concerned about the fact that it's going to spill over into Lebanon. It's already in Lebanon. It's already in Syria. This is already really a regional conflict. It's just to what extent it's going to grow and who's going to get involved. I think that um, generally speaking, uh, other countries have uh, shown restraint here. I think that reasonably so. I think that nobody really, other than Israel, uh, nobody really wants to see this turn into a massive regional conflict. But I think that um, uh, it definitely has that potential, especially when you start using things like white phosphorus in Lebanon. Um, so, yeah, I don't know, Adam. I don't know. What do you think? Do you think there's going to be any accountability on this? Probably not. No. Oh, zero. Absolutely not. And I also don't think that he's very concerned about this conflict widening either, because by no. their actions, they they seem to want it to widen. So 
just playing lip service to the American people, Misty. That's how we do it. Yeah, that's all they ever do. And they have to do that because Biden's poll numbers are in the toilet, y'all, and circling the drain very quickly. So, yeah, they're they're just going to pay lip service as they continue to arm and fund a genocide. So there you have it. Um, All right, Adam, thanks for bringing us the story. We will talk to you again tomorrow. Hang tight. We're going to be back with Jessica Fenske right after this here on TNT Radio. TNT Radio's James Freeman. We have new revised figures from the Office for National Statistics showing that legal, that's not illegal, that's legal, net migration to the UK has witnessed one of the largest increases on record. Three quarters of a million additional people are now living in the UK in the space of just one year. A huge number that comes just three years after we left the European Union. Now, I didn't vote for Brexit because of immigration. I voted because of democracy, but millions did vote because they think too many people are coming into the country, which makes what the government has allowed to happen an absolute two fingers up to the people and democracy. Another example, if we needed another, of how the government does the exact opposite to what the people want and vote for. The Freeman Report and James Freeman on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. I was such a young age. Everything changed. My name is Chloe. When I was 13, my dad was diagnosed with cancer. When I found out, I just didn't know how to react. I felt like everything was just kind of closing in on me. It just became a routine. Dad's doing chemo. I'd come home from school, wait for mum to finish work, and we'd go straight to the hospital, spend a few hours there, just draw. It was hard to navigate going to school. Hundreds of kids, and I was the only one with a dying dad. He was diagnosed in March and then he died in October. Towards the end, I heard about canteen. It kind of felt nice to know that they had other people like me. They understood what I was going through and we didn't even have to chat about cancer. In 2020, I became a youth ambassador so I can help others the way they helped me. I've done so many things since I was 13. I've graduated high school, university, gotten my license, made a move across the country. Life now is just a whole lot more fun. Please give a gift today to support more young people like me experiencing cancer. Listen! Listen up! Now listen, we gotta talk. It's what we do best. This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right. Today, our guest is Jessica Fenske. Uh, You may know her from social media as Forest Mommy. She's hilarious, an absolute must follow. Uh, And she actually just ran for city council, as I mentioned at the top of the show, in uh, District 4 in Colorado. Unfortunately, she did come up short on that run, but I think that she did learn a lot and is super involved in local politics, which if you all follow me, you know I don't. Uh, care much about electoral politics. I think it's almost always a lose-lose, but I do think that there is some opportunity at the local level. So we're going to get into that uh, and whatever else happens to come up. So Jess, thanks so much for coming back to the show. Thanks for having me. Thanks for always inviting me. Yeah, I love having you. Are you kidding? It's so fun. Like you're you're always a blast. You have great energy uh, and you're hilarious. So those are always uh, great guests for me. Um, okay, so let's talk a little bit uh, from the start here to talk about your run. Um, it, you ran for city council in District 4, Arvada, good Lord, uh, in Colorado. Um, and uh, did you did really well considering the fact this was your first time running. You really didn't have any name recognition or any big money coming in. Uh, and you still did really well. So talk a little bit about your uh, your run and, and what you learned from that. 
Yeah. So, I mean, when I got into it, I was I was trying to basically figure out the process and get on the ballot, see what that's like. Uh, I wasn't planning on running a big campaign, but it blew up online. So then I had to run a big campaign or r- as much as I could. Um, it was really interesting. Once I started meeting the once I got closer and there was more events, uh, forums, I didn't do any debates, but it's like kind of a forum thing. And then uh, meeting all them. And I felt so out of place. I so out of place with all these like people spinning <laughs> and like they are they love running they love campaigning they love I mean the guy I lost to he's already been in 12 years and he's still going so it's just like these people love it so that was kind of interesting just just kind of like having I made a post about this yesterday but it like it really felt like the whole imposter syndrome but it's like I, I should feel imposter syndrome I shouldn't feel like I belong here so uh yeah so went along uh did a lot of like learned some I did a lot of door knocking, did some online ads, did different did different events and stuff. And yeah, so I ended up getting 37.5% of the vote, which was 4,697 votes, which that's pretty that was pretty cool. Like everyone once the information came up at we had like a party at a bar uh, for the election night. And once the like I heard someone saying like groan, that they kind of like groaned, you know, because there was a handful of us and none of us won anything that we were in for, but and I just like it came up on the screen, and I'm like, oh my God, almost four thousand people voted for me. Over four thousand. Like I was just so like touched, really. So, um, I've kind it was it was an interesting process. I I keep saying I'm not going to do it again, but I want to help other people do it now that I've done it. And there's just so many different opportunities for local, not even like um where you have to campaign. Like we have metro districts, we have special districts, HOAs. You can get on your HOA and coo it. So like there's a lot of opportunities for that. And yeah, it was it was yeah. interesting. It was like it was I'm I'm glad I did it. I'm glad it's over. Uh it would have my life would have been much different if I won. <laughs> Obviously it's basically a full time job. So yeah. you know, I'd be doing different things. But yeah. yeah, no, I think it's cool that you did it. Um, I think that, it, I mean, it's obviously anytime that you, because you have to really put yourself out there in order to run for public office, obviously. And I think that that's daunting for a lot of people. Um, uh, and so I think it's uh, super cool that you did it. And I think that you're right. I think that, um, you know, those local, and I think that it just depends on where you live. Like where I live, it's pretty corrupt, even at the local level. I mean, maybe like school board or whatever, you might be able to uh, weasel your way into getting some stuff done. But it's really, I mean, it really just depends on where you live and, and the environment in your local area. But I think that if there is any opportunity in electoral politics, it is certainly at the local level. And you talk about that a lot. I mean, in addition to just running for office, you're super involved in your local libertarian politics. So talk a little bit about that, because I think that a lot of people miss out on that opportunity to even just like go to city council meetings and just listen in on the things that are being discussed. So many people don't do that and uh, really could. There's an opportunity there that you could at least make your voice heard. Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of what like gave me a spark last year is the first time I went down to the state capitol and I testified against something and I was like oh my gosh you get to look at these people in their eyes and like yeah tell them you're your they're your enemy <laughs> it's like it's therapy right so yeah there's tons <laughs> of, I'm pretty I, I'm um, not on the board or anything with the LP Colorado but I'm I'm really involved I go to multiple meetings a month we have different uh county affiliate l- levels we're so lucky out here that we have um, it's so hard to get libertarians involved, right? Get them to show up. But we are very lucky out here in Colorado where we have enough and we have more and more coming every day. We have more people showing up every month to different meetings that we have. Um, so I, I try to go to all of them. I try to keep kind of the rah-rah, shish-kabah, get people to show up. 
But then um, we have uh, people out here who, uh, Brandon Wark from Free State, Colorado, he'd be a great interview for you too. But he um, he follows the local stuff. He he works a full-time job, but he then he follows all the local stuff and writes, uh, you know, does a lot of reporting on it, basically. So we go down to the Capitol and he's filmed a lot of people. And yeah, it's just really, it's, I, I, I know they make it this way so people don't get involved, right? But once you do, if, if you can, if you, you can even zoom in on testimonies. And once you start paying attention to the, they put so many bills out there. They just throw anything out there that they can. And every single bill just about is giving the government more power and taking away power from us. Like just about yeah. every single bill, whether it's regulations or whatever, like it's, it's amazing once you start paying attention. So uh, out in Colorado, if anyone watches from Colorado, we, we, when the legislation session goes for the state, uh, we do a zoom every Sunday night where we go over all the bills that they're trying to throw at the wall that week, um, all the different committee hearings and all this. And we try to get people to show up because that's the problem is we just need to be more organized and get more people to say there. And, and you know what? I'm with you too. Like, well, even with my vote, I'm like, who would, who knows? I have no way of auditing my results right. or anything. Who knows. Right. But um, I'm really, I really find there's a, a value to people showing up and saying stuff to them and being a bug in their ear. So in my own state or city too, with Arvada, I kind of took a break. I did take a break from everything for a minute, but yeah, um, there's a guy who was running for mayor and he didn't win. So he still has two. And me and him, are, we became friends during this. And politically, we have so we have we're fairly similar. We don't think a town should be an HOA, which that's what's happening. And uh, so he's like he's been starting to cause issues now, too, because now he has two years left on the city council. And I'm like, oh, good. I got him to be a little bit more like sassy. So, yeah, that's yeah. It just. The things that they can do, their local, depending where you live, your local town counts, like city council has a little bit of say in your property tax and they should be constantly trying to lower it, but they're not. So show up and tell them to. So there's a lot of opportunities just to be, just to get it on record that these people won't do what they should do. Yes. And you're absolutely right that like being as an activist who regularly goes to D.C. to yell at the Department of Justice, that is so fun. It is like therapy. It really is like to be able to go outside of Merrick Garland's house and yell at him is fantastic. It is uh, amazing. And also just getting together, I think, uh, in community with people who also get it and who are like minded. I think that's also amazing. So, yeah, I think that and uh, and I'm guilty of this, too. I don't go to uh, I go to like school board meetings and things like that because I have kids in the system, but I don't go to, uh, you know, uh, city council meetings or anything like that. And I should, um, uh, if not for no other reason other than just to, to witness the uh, atrocities that are taking place in my name, right? The the ridiculous things, the regulations and stuff that they're trying to pass. Obviously, I think that uh, being able to go and, and speak your mind on those issues is huge. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think everybody, if you have uh, if you have the capability to speak, you should use it. We're very quickly losing our right to free speech. So uh, you might as well use it while you're still allowed to. So let's take a quick break and get headlines. We're going to be back here on TNT Radio. Great news. Good news, everyone. TNT Radio News. For TNT Radio News, this is James O'Neill. A tanker flying the Norwegian flag was reportedly hit by a missile in the Red Sea off the coast of Yemen near a vital maritime passage. South Australians are being warned to be careful around bats after the Australian bat lysivirus was discovered in the state. Australian businesses are now legally required to proactively prevent sexual harassment and discrimination in the workplace, following new regulations that have come into effect. 
Why not give TNT Radio a follow? We're on all major social platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Gab, and Getter. Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time right here on today's News Talk. TNT Radio. TNT Radio. All right, we are here joined by Jessica Fenske, who uh, you can follow over on Twitter. Again, an absolute must follow. She's hilarious. At Forest Mommy. Um, uh, definitely check her out over there. And then she's got a link tree for all of her other stuff uh, on her Twitter uh, account. Um, okay, so I know that we, t- I think we talked about this the last time that you were on the show, but obviously um, things have changed since then. There's a lot going on. We're moving into an election year. Uh, you are a libertarian. You're part of the uh, Libertarian uh, Party and especially in Colorado, very active. Um, and I'm always interested as somebody who is politically homeless, I don't follow a party. I don't belong to a party. I don't have a tribe. Um, I'm kind of a floater. I'm friends with everybody. Um, uh, But I'm always, it's it's always curious to me watching the Libertarian Party because it feels as if there's so much division. And still, it feels as if there's, um, and I think that that's natural. I think that in any, anytime you try to bring a large amount of people in in under one umbrella, there's going to be some friction and division. Um, But what do you think as we're moving into 2024? um, What's your opinion on where the the Libertarian Party stands? I know they have a ton of people who were running for president. Um, uh, Is there going to be somebody that can solidify the entire party? What do you think? No, no, no one will ever solidify that. (laughs) Sure, there will be fighting until the very end. Um, It really just becomes an issue of, uh, uh, because we all know they're not, we're not going to win. We can say we're going to win, but not going to win presidential, right? But the, so the most important part is getting a good messenger out there. And that's something I even learned in my race. Like, just being able to say some radical, which are not, it's not that radical, but to people, it sounds radical when you're going up in front of them and saying, hey, the government isn't underfunded, it's mismanaged, you know, and they have too much money and all this. So it's going to come down to the messaging. Um, I I don't think I'm going to be able to make it to the national convention, but it'll be, it will be interesting to see what happens. I I have an endorsement behind Recton Wall. I actually really enjoy him. Um, He seems like, he just seems down to earth and like he keeps, he would be a good messenger as he was a professor and whatnot, um, which could go, that can go either way. But uh, yeah, it, it's, it's always interesting too. And it was funny because even in my race, I didn't have to fight with someone else. So now there's like, you know, between the candidates for the presidential, they're all fighting each other and they got to like yeah, attack each other. And that's, that's the funny part about uh, party politics. Of it. I mean, I hate it. I think <laughs> six, I throw my life into it, but I hate it. And I think it won't work, but I throw my life into it. Right. But yeah, I don't know. It'll be it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting yeah. to watch. Yeah. And I'm always like, I, I uh, love observing that kind of stuff from a distance. And I do the same thing with the Green Party and um, especially third parties. I don't care about the Democratic Party or the Republican Party. It makes no difference whatsoever. They are corrupt and corporate owned. Uh, none of that matters. Um, in ter- I guess in terms of like how they're functioning, everybody knows how they function. But I think um, uh, what, and especially because I have um, a lot of friends in the Libertarian Party or who are Libertarians, identify as Libertarians, whatever. Um, uh, I think it's always interesting to watch that kind of uh, party dynamic and the the kind of I've seen uh, uh, Angela McArdle takes a lot of heat from a lot of people um, and uh, that's always interesting to watch uh, the complaints about her and also this guy from Argentina there's been a lot of friction with that what's your take on that guy because uh, it's very weird to me that and maybe you can clear it up um, I don't understand why I get that he um, 
uh, panders to libertarian values and he talks a big game, but I mean, he's kind of WEF affiliated and he's a uh, hardcore Zionist, like has, uh, he's going to switch to Judaism. I mean, I mean, he's like the whole shebang. He's got connections to Bill Clinton. It's just very weird to me that so many libertarians have been taken in by this guy. But I mean, maybe you can explain it. What's your take on that guy? I think you just said a, a handful of things that we like to hear, especially getting rid of like departments and ministries. Um, I've, I've not, I'm, you can't trust anybody. You should never make a hero out of anyone. You should never make yeah. a, like a double out of everyone right away. But I have noticed, especially, I just noticed this online, online libertarians, they are spending more time worrying about this guy than they are worrying about their local stuff. And I'm yes. going to shame them. For this. I will shame you guys. Like I have seen people just like, right thesis on this and i know these people don't show up locally so i'm like maybe you guys should like look into your own hearts and maybe examine your own like libertarian philosophy and action activism more but yeah that's i mean it's just another sports ball player basically to you know yeah. keep track it'd be great if he can do what he can do and it, it was really cool what he was just like you know and ripping off all that stuff like yeah that's cool i get it but yeah, all the other stuff that's coming out. And then all the people are just digging into it or not digging. I don't know. I just, I don't have the yeah. bandwidth. The, I just, I don't have the bandwidth. Yeah. And I, yeah, I don't either. And uh, I, I, that's why it was very strange to me because it felt like the support for this guy from like American libertarians just sort of popped up out of nowhere. And it's probably just because I wasn't paying attention because I don't uh, pay attention to that kind of thing. But um, suddenly everybody's tweeting about this guy and everybody's really excited and then he wins and everybody's really excited. And I was just like, wait a minute, why? I don't understand why you're so like, yeah, he pulled some pieces of paper off of a poster board. Cool. But I mean, it, 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 I guess, but what you said earlier, maybe this is part of it too, because uh, you mentioned the, the importance of messaging. And I think um, I think maybe a lot of people were just taken in by the fact that, hey, there's a guy out here who is espousing our values out loud um, and has support. And so maybe that just was kind of um, uh, a motivating factor where they were like, okay, this guy's actually talking about libertarian values, whether he means it or not, yet is yet to be seen. But the fact that he's out here talking about it loudly and openly and has so much support, uh, maybe that was kind of just motivating in terms of where the libertarian movement is headed. What, do you think that that's accurate? Yeah, exactly. The messaging. And that's why I say like all these people are spending so much time doing this. And I'm like, why aren't you spending time on like watching his messaging and saying the same thing? You know, I've seen so many people say we need a rock star like this on the libertarian party. I was like, well, like, go be that person. Go be that yeah. person. Like you see what's happening. You see those messages are how they can fire people up. I know the, you know, the economy here and there is very different. So people are in just a different mindset so i don't know how much you can get through but it's still like just instead of worshiping him why not you know observe him and just bring that message out as well but that's kind of again the online there i swear there's like i call it the online libertarian affiliate where they yes. just are just online and like know everything about everything except for like actually doing anything which it's fine but yeah Wow. No, it's not fine. I you talk about that all the time because it drives me crazy too. Um, uh, uh, seeing anybody do that, but um, uh, it's very frustrating when people are online. And listen, I'm online a lot, right? I'm I tweet all the time. I'm fully self aware of the fact that I am a Twitter addict. I tweet too much. However, I don't just tweet. I do lots of things. And I think that there's so many people who think that tweeting is a form of action. And I don't mean to diminish the potential power of social media. I use it as a tool. I use it. To 
to hype uh, different events that I plan, different uh, rallies and stuff for Julian Assange and other issues. So I get that it is a useful tool, but I think that people have become so reliant on it and just really so complacent. They're like, oh, well, I tweeted about it and that's enough. It's not enough. That's not enough. Like you actually have to go out and do something. You have to have conversations in your neighborhood. You have to. And that's, I think, uh, what was so frustrating about COVID um, is that it really did further that isolation and really like divided families and all of that stuff. But it really made people used to being isolated away from other human beings, which we already were suffering a great deal from that. And I think that now um, uh, people just don't want to like uh, they don't want to go to a city uh, council meeting. They don't want to go have a conversation with their neighbor. They don't want to interact with other human beings unless they have to. And now all this convenience of Amazon will ship you whatever you want two day in two days or, you know, you can, you know, door dash your dinner. Um, I think that that's all made it so much worse. And it's just it's very frustrating because, um, you know, tweeting's great. I think getting the word out, getting information out there, that's obviously very helpful. And especially, um, you know, uh, and just educating people about issues that aren't being talked about. I think that that's fantastic. But you can't rely on that. Like, that's not the end all be all of getting things done. You actually have to get up, go outside, do things, have conversations. And that's not always easy. Um, but I think that we need to see more of that. And it's just really unfortunate that we're in that situation. So let's take another quick break. Hang tight. We're going to be back here on TNT Radio. Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malzberg. Last week, Elon Musk, the owner of X, was asked about the boycott uh, of advertisers like Disney and Apple who have pulled off the site after he uh, retweeted an anti-Semitic tweet and for some other reasons. And uh, he didn't hold back in his response. Uh, don't advertise. You don't want them to advertise? No. What do you mean? If, if somebody's gonna try to blackmail me with advertising, blackmail me with money, go fuck yourself. But go fuck yourself. <laughs> is that clear? I hope it is. And he says that if the boycott forces X to close up shop, the public will know who to blame. What this advertising boycott is, uh, is, is gonna do, it's, it's gonna kill the company. And you think that the, uh, I, but, and the whole world will know that those advertisers killed the company and we will document it in great detail. But they're gonna say that, they're gonna say, Elon, that you killed the company because you said these things and that they were inappropriate things and that they didn't feel comfortable on the platform, right? That's, that's and, what and they're let, gonna say. And let's see how Earth responds to that. Earth to Elon, only time will tell. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Malsberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern time right here on TNT Radio Vision. We are for pets. We do anything for them because they do everything for us. We are for people, for those who love pets unconditionally. We are for good, from adoptions and veterinary care to disaster relief and fighting pet hunger. We stand together to create a better world for pets and families in need. We are PetSmart Charities. For pets, for people, for good. Misty Winston on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, we're here joined by Jessica Fenske, otherwise known as Forest Mommy, over on the tweeters. Go follow her, check her out. Uh, she's hilarious. Um, okay, so I also wanted to ask you uh, about uh, you. Uh, you were featured on Jimmy Dore show, which <laughs> Jimmy's a friend of mine. And he, you tweeted out about, so Alex Jones, I haven't spoken about this on the show yet, uh, but Alex Jones was uh, allowed to return to Twitter 
um, which she should have never been taken off Twitter as far as I'm concerned. But uh, what do I know? Um, but so uh, Jimmy Dore, and I think I think it was interesting because you tweeted you tweeted that out. No big deal. You said that your Twitter was blowing up. Uh, a lot of people were uh, uh, commenting on it and misinterpreting what you were saying and all of that stuff, which I was kind of watching from afar. Uh, but then Jimmy Dore used your show on or used your tweet on his show. Uh, you retweeted that, I think, tagging Jimmy. And then all of a sudden, your Twitter went uh, quiet. Like you just stopped getting uh, notifications, comments, all of that stuff. And I'm telling you, I know that you said that you don't generally put a lot of stock in the shadow banning thing, but I have experienced that myself. It is crazy. Uh, so talk a little bit about that. What happened? Yeah, so yesterday I just made this tweet. It was like, I, I said, Alex Jones is back and I have been forced to read one tweet of his because everyone acts like they're forced to read it, right? Yeah. So I made that tweet and then all of a sudden, um, Stephen Miller retweeted it randomly and then Glenn Greenwald retweeted it. So then it started like, then it started blowing up as sometimes they do. And I was like, it wasn't that great of a tweet, guys, but whatever. So it started <laughs> blowing up. And then, yeah. And then yesterday in the, so I was kind of like, you know, when you have a tweet going viral, it's kind of fun to just monitor that during the day and whatnot and, you know, get excited about it. But then, like, whenever uh, Jimmy Dore shows on, yeah, I started, I got a couple tweets where someone, had taken a picture of it and said, Hey, he just ran it and like got a couple of texts and stuff. And so I shared, I didn't even tweet myself yet. I just shared that what someone else had posted. And then like, literally it just, all my notifications just stopped. I get a lot of notifications. It, it just stopped. So I was like, what was that about? And then I, I went, I didn't watch it as it happened, but I went back to watch the clip today because it's up on his rumble now. And um, it was interesting because right after, like, they brought that up and in that segment, they're talking about how if you talk about certain things, you're getting so, like, in Jimmy's experiences, whereas he's get so shadow banned or just restricted. And I'm like, it's interesting because that's literally what happened. And I, I didn't even make any post myself. I just shared something with some, where someone said Jimmy Dore shared it. So that was yeah. interesting. I thought. So I, I made that post today and just in the off chance your buddy Jimmy sees it, like, <laughs> you know it's weird yeah it's, it's even all my like there because i know what tweets tweet and the things i say i know what kind of responses i typically get and how many people see it and all this and like even that's so it's all my like regular other tweets are way down now too it's like that's that's yeah, really it happens all the time. I know you said you don't put stock in it, but I'm telling you, it is insane. Um, and obviously, Jimmy experiences it at a much higher level than I do. There, there's no question about that. But um, uh, for, for example, I obviously tweet about Julian Assange a lot. Like, I can tweet about some funny joke my kids made about farting, and it'll get tons of likes and comments and all that stuff. But if I make, like, a very serious post about Julian Assange, something going on with his case, you get, like, maybe 50 likes and a couple comments or whatever. And that happens on a regular basis. And um, uh, there was also that time uh, there was a lot of us. I don't know if you experienced this, but I was hardcore search suggestion ban, which I don't know if you know what that is. But if you go to like type somebody's name in the search bar, generally speaking, once you start typing it in, the little drop box comes down. I was trying to tag tag you in post. You still are. Yeah, you didn't pull up. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) I'm so glad Elon came along to save free speech, you guys. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah people and there's more i have friends who are banned i have a friend out here he's running yeah. against lauren Bobert, james wiley and all he said all he said is oh the Geo- the republican party can die or something like that and that was made as violent speech and he has yeah. to de- he, the account's still up but they're saying he has to delete it if he wants to have access to his account he's not deleting it because he's also a paralegal and 
helps write letters specifically to Twitter to get his accounts back. So that's right? now he's going to do it for himself. Yeah. Yeah, it is crazy. Um, it's insane to me that anybody is still pretending that Elon Musk is any better or different than Twitter 1.0. I think it's arguably worse in some instances. I mean, cool, he let Alex Jones come back, I guess. Listen, that's great. Um, again, I don't think, in my opinion, and people yell at me all, this all the time for uh, a guest, I, I'm not defending Alex Jones. I'm defending free speech, which I try to be pretty consistent on. Uh, I also defended Trump when he was taken off of uh, literally the entire internet. Um, uh, but yeah, it's, it's so crazy to me that people try to pretend that Elon Musk ha has like come along to save free speech and he's some free speech warrior. It is absurd. I have friends who are, uh, suspended. I have friends that are banned. Uh, Garland Nixon has been locked out of his account for months. Um, they refuse to let him back into his account. Um, uh, I have uh, somebody got, uh, one of my friends, uh, got, I think a seven day suspension um, for using the phrase Zionazi uh, in regards to Zionists. I mean, it is, uh, and we just, Elon just took a trip to visit Benjamin Netanyahu and came back and decided he's going to start censoring anybody that says from the river to the sea or the word decolonized because somehow that's a call for genocide. However, it's okay for Netanyahu and his minions to literally tweet videos of actual war crimes. That's okay. Uh, but I mean, yeah, it's just the hypocrisy of Elon Musk. Um, um, and what's more frustrating to me, because that's not a surprise if, if you're paying attention to who he is, but the idea that so many people still lionize him. And I see it a lot with libertarians. What What is that, Jess? What is that? What What is it with libertarians and Elon Musk? Why do they like this guy so much? And everyone's just got to stop making heroes out of people. I know, like, yes. the only one who deserved it was Ron Paul, people. Everybody else, just <laughs> chill out and, like, stop. Yeah, I don't... <laughs> I don't get it. It's just like with uh with my melee or whatever. Like, okay, you can like it's cool that he said go f yourself. You know, like that's funny. Yeah, <laughs> that's weird. But like, he's not a hero, and he's in that big. Guess what? That club we're all not a part of. He is a part of it. No matter how yes. much he says like, he's gonna do things differently or whatever, you gotta like. I don't understand these people. Again, I just think people put so much stock into that instead of just doing things themselves. You know, it's like yeah. a distraction almost. I think I everybody know. is so, um, and this is just me speculating, pontificating, but I think everyone is so desperate that they just want to believe that somebody's going to come along who can save us all. You know what I mean? Like, um, and I don't necessarily think that that's always um, that people are lazy and they don't want to do any actual work for themselves. I think that that's sometimes the case. I think that it's, as we mentioned earlier, it's easier to tweet than it is to go to a city council meeting. I think that a lot of people fall back on that. But I think that um, even those people who are kind of active and engaged, I think even those people are like, it, there's people are tired. You know what I'm saying? Like a lot of people have to work two or three jobs. Um, you know, our country is a shithole. Let's be honest. I mean, homelessness is out of control. People can't afford to feed their families. Uh, there's uh, nobody can find jobs or blowing people up in other countries for profit. I mean, it's like out of control. And I think people are just so desperate. Um, and they just want to believe that somebody, anybody, and I think that that's what made uh, people like Bernie Sanders and Trump so successful because, um, you know, they seemed different. They seemed like outsiders and they seemed like they were going to actually challenge the system. Of course, neither of them did. Um, but I think that that's what that comes from. I think that there's just like this need for um, you know, that people have to be saved. I mean, what do you, what do you think? No, I agree. Even with um, with my activism, which I hate saying that word, but whatever it is, what it is like, because I actually do this stuff. 
I've noticed even people start asking me more and more to do things because there's just not, no one has the time. No one has the energy to pay attention. So anytime there's, because we have so many coalitions now, that was the beautiful thing about my campaign is it brought a lot of different groups together out here that now we're all going to work together a little bit more because Colorado got taken over and it's like, okay, maybe we should all work together and not worry about the couple things we don't agree on so yes yeah it's, it's interesting as soon as you're you're like somebody who kind of can do something or like does something then they people want you to do it more and people more expect so. it yes yes yeah i can speak to that for sure i that's my experience every time that there is and i've had to take a break over the last year or so because i was honestly exhausted because every time there was an important date coming up for the Assange thing or whatever, everybody looked to me to do the DC event. And it's, it's, it is exhausting to do those events. It is months of planning. You have to fundraise, you have to order supplies, you have to do all of the stuff. You have to get speakers. You have to, I mean, it is exhausting. And I just don't think people realize um, how much that really takes a toll on people. And I'm sure that you have experienced that as well, but you, you mentioned the coalitions and I'm glad that you brought that up. Cause that's something I am very passionate about. Um, uh, uh, as I said, I'm kind of a floater. I'm often lumped in with the left um, uh, and people call me a leftist, which is fine. I don't take offense to that. I just personally do not like labels. I don't like, there are some things that I agree with the left on. There's some things I disagree with them on. There's some things I agree with libertarians on, some things I disagree with them on. And I don't agree with anybody a hundred. I don't even agree with myself all the time. You know what I mean? Like I, it's weird that people find it um, uh, so radical that you might it, like even just engage in conversation with somebody that you have a disagreement with. It's like, that's, that's the environment that we have in politics right now, that if you um, even talk to somebody who disagrees with you on something like that's some um, like, oh my God, how dare you? It is crazy to me, but you talked about building coalitions. And I think that that is vital, absolutely vital. Um, and we've seen some attempts at that. The Assange movement, I mean, is great. I, I mean, uh, credit to all, everybody in the Assange movement, great at doing that. We, we started to see uh, the rage against the war machine. Uh, they did a, a pretty good job of bringing people together across ideologies. Um, do you think that that's going to catch on? Because in my opinion, I feel like that's the way forward. Like that's the only way that we're ever going to get anything uh, uh, done of substance. Yeah, it is. And I think it's the best way to find the more of the activists who want to work together because, you know, running these organizations like especially a political party, you have to have so there's so much work that it takes just to run the organization to keep it legit, to keep it a tool to fight against them. Like it takes so much work. So then you only have so many people, you know, you have all the people putting the work towards that and you only have so many people doing this. So the more groups that can come together and that happened out here, there was people who helped me door knock and I was helping them door knock for their causes, you know, and it's, it's just so much easier to do that and find, and then you can find more people, like I said, who are, more of the people who are ready to get involved, who are ready, who do show up already. Like I've met people who've been lobbying down there for like years for different things. So now like now we're friends and now we, now I can start getting my in and like going down when I, so yeah, that's, I think that's the only way forward because there's a lot of organization organizing going on for, you know, the regime. So we need to organize as well with as many people as we can. And I think a lot of us agree on some of the, the biggest issue, which is yes. like this government needs to chill. It needs to chill. Yeah. So like, yeah, I think a lot of people agree on that. 100%. I think that there is a huge amount of agreement on like the most vital issues, in my opinion, which is um, uh, being anti-war, stop spending money on blowing people up for profit, um, making sure that we're, uh, uh, you, you know, 
uh, <laughs> taking care of our own instead of, um, you know, bailing out other countries and sending other countries a whole crap ton of money for what? Um, uh, free speech, anti-censorship, that kind of thing. I think that there's so many issues where there is a, a, a vast amount of agreement. And I think that it's, it's mind blowing to me that grown adults are unable to look past differences on, and I'm not trying to minimize the issues where there are disagreements. I mean, those are important issues and those are conversations that need to be had and that's fine. Uh, I just, I think it's weird that grown adults uh, are incapable of stepping back from their ego and recognizing that, um, you know, uh, ending wars is bigger, you know, avoiding nuclear annihilation is bigger than your ego. You know what I mean? Like it's bigger than your whatever bullshit you have going on. And I just, it's so frustrating. And I deal with that all the time. I mean, the left yells at me because I'm friends with libertarians. To be fair, I don't think I've ever had libertarians yell at me because I think that um, uh, they went into it knowing that I'm almost always lumped in with leftists. So, um, uh, which fair or not, that's fine. Um, but you yeah, it's give it just- a pass. You got the LP pass. You're good. I do. <laughs> <laughs> I do. With, uh, not with everybody. As you said, there is division amongst libertarians. And I'm sure there are plenty of libertarians who don't like me. And that's fine. I'm not for everyone. But um, I just think that, uh, you know, on those issues and the reason why I even started reaching out to libertarians was because of this free speech issue. Libertarians, generally speaking, are great on free speech. They're great on being anti-censorship. And many of them are consistent, which not all of them. It's very frustrating. Not all. But uh, it, there's... Um, that's one of the most frustrating things for me is there's um, this lack of consistency where um, I'm anti-censorship until it's somebody I don't like and then I don't care and it's fine that they're censored. And there's that's very prevalent across the board, I think. But libertarians are pretty cool on that issue. And so that's why I started reaching out to them. And they were uh, very cool with me, Kyle Anzalone and Scott Horton and Reed Coverdale and Clint Russell and a whole host of other people. Uh, they recognize that we have disagreements, but when when we can come together, why wouldn't we? It only makes sense to do that. It's just, it's weird. I don't like it. It seems very counterproductive and self-defeating to, um, you know, refuse to come together when you can, because it's going to take all of us, right? We're up against a behemoth <laughs> of power. <laughs> yeah. It's like the biggest machine in the world. And us, like that meme where like, we're fighting the billion dollar regime with memes. So Right. <laughs> I mean, there are good memes, though. We have some great memes. There's no question. Military grade dankness, you might say. Um, but yeah, it is. Uh, it is. In my opinion, it's going to take um, it's going to take numbers. It's going to take mass public pressure. Uh, that's how anything has ever happened in the history of ever. Uh, is people coming together and fighting back. And it, it's uh, they've done a very good job of dividing us and of isolating us. And again, that's like the COVID thing. I think what, that was a whole part of that plan uh, was to drive wedges between people and divide people even further. And unfortunately, it was incredibly effective. So, okay, we're almost out of time. Um, where can people find you, follow you? Uh, what do you have coming up? All that good stuff. Um, so Forrest Mommy on Twitter, basically anywhere, uh, Rumble and YouTube, I do a live stream too. I'm actually going to start doing probably like a more, like a 20 minute kind of local news, news stream. I'm going to try and get some structure in my life and do that, um, coming up, but yeah, otherwise we just, oh, uh, this is, and if you're in Colorado, I'll be at the National Western Stock Show. I'm volu- I'm going back to volunteering since COVID. So I'm really excited about that. So that's, you'll see that on Twitter. I'm going to post it up. I'll, I'll post it up and talk it up. So yeah, that's cool. all I got. Yeah, I, I I would love to see you do like a local 
Um, I'm not from Colorado, but I think that I would love for more people to do that. I mean, I, I should probably do that here in uh, Columbus just to, I mean, nobody would watch it other than Ohioans, but I think that that's uh, valuable just to have those conversations about things going on in the hood, you might say. Um, okay, thanks so much for taking the time to come on. I appreciate you as always. It's always a blast to talk to you uh, and you're welcome back anytime. I will be back tomorrow with another show for you. As Julian Assange says, learn, challenge, act now, and don't go anywhere. Timothy Shea's right after this, right here on TNT Radio.